Hello, you are listening to This Week in 1916 with Ray McGovern, following the rising as it happened, day by day. Wednesday, 26th of April, 6.20 hours, British reinforcements arrived by ship. Two British troop ships, the SS Tinwald and SS Patriotic, have begun disembarking several thousand troops from the 59th Midland Division in Kingstown or Dunleary Harbour. Despite the early hour, the beautifully sunny morning has brought hundreds of civilians to the area to view the unexpected sight. There seemed to be a great sense of urgency among the companies, while others are sitting around in groups, apparently confused as to why they are in Ireland and not in France. More troop ships are due to land during the coming hours. 900 hours, 9 o'clock, Jacob's Biscuit Factory has been saturated with machine gun fire. As dawn broke, machine guns in Portobello opened up on its huge towers, sending half a dozen snipers scurrying for cover. Shooters in Dublin Castle have now opened up on the factory with automatic fire. Hundreds of bullets are flying wildly astray in the city when they miss hitting the towers. Ricochets, I presume. Many reports are coming in of civilians being killed as they venture out to seek food or to check on friends and relatives. Others have been killed in their homes. Hunger has gripped the city. Meanwhile, artillery fire has begun as Liberty Hall is shelled by the British from the Helga just a a few hundred yards away outside the Custom House. 9.36, both British troops in the Gresham in Sackville Street and volunteers in the GPO have been engaged in a ferocious sniper battle of both buildings. Shouts claiming kills have been heard from the windows. The huge walls of the uh, majestic buildings lining Dublin's main street resound continuously to rifle cracks. Gun smoke hangs in the morning air. The crash of artillery is almost constant and echoes thundering through the streets. 10.30, the Sherwood Foresters are on their way. The Knots and Derby regiments have just begun their march into Dublin city from Dunleary. The exhausted infantrymen appear to have had little sleep but seem very cheerful and optimistic. Shouts and waves of encouragement have no doubt blown away their their depression. Um, The forces appear to have split up the two battalions marching into the city along the coast road and another heading inland towards Northumberland Road. They seem now to be confident. 11.06 hours, Stevens Green, a peculiar ceasefire, incredible scenes. In the midst of escalating uh, fighting, the most bizarre thing has happened. The park's caretaker has left his lodge in the green to its, uh, on its Earlsford Terrace corner and has walked to the duck pond and began feeding the, huge, the green's huge duck population. Incredibly, both sides have ceased firing at each other as they are transfixed by such a gesture. 11.23 hours in the morning still. Sackville Street, a fully-fledged war zone. Stephen's Green may be peaceful now, but Sackville Street is anything but tranquil. It is now a war zone like any other. We're now at 11.48 on Wednesday. Jameson's Distillery in Marabone Lane, uh, now just opposite the uh, the, uh, 
leisure centre in Marylebone Lane near Cork Street. Has received reinforcement as rebels stole through the nearby streets just before dawn to reinforce the garrison. Perhaps an assault is expected on that position. 1200 hours, the building has, that spawned this insurrection, Liberty Hall, has been pulverised by artillery fire. Uh, the gunboat Helga has been shelling the building for sh several hours. 1215, madness at the Mendicity, grenade battles. Earlier this morning, a vicious battle took place around the Mendicity Institute on Usher's Island. It descended into complete pandemonium. Unable to overcome the rebel fire, the Dublin Fusiliers began throwing hand grenades, but were shocked as the rebels picked the bombs up and threw them back. They are fighting with almost suicidal bravery. The assault troops have called off the attack, completely bewildered. 12.40, terrible scenes at Northumberland Road. At least one officer and 10 men are lying on the road at Northumberland's junction with Haddington Road. Their company walks straight into an ambush. Unsure as to the source of the fire, soldiers are frantically trying to find cover. It appears that number 25 Northumberland Road is held by rebels, a number unknown. Screams from wounded men fill the air. Remember now we have a thousand or more British troops marching in from Dunleary. 12.45 British counter-attack Repulsed, an assault has been launched at the corner house at Northumberland Road, number 25, but has been driven back in disarray. Rapid fire is coming from the building's upper floors. Men are falling everywhere. 12.50, indescribable carnage in Dublin suburbs. At least two platoons of British infantry tried to outflank the corner house on Northumberland Road. They rushed the junction under a ferocious fire. Several fell. As they turned, they were shot in droves. Forward elements have just seed, seized Bagot Street Bridge, which appears undefended. Men are thrashing around on the ground in what can only be described as hellish scenes. Some are kicking the ground in agony and frustration. Blood is everywhere. Dreadful wounds have been inflicted. Young and vacant eyes now stare from tortured, lifeless faces at the nearby crossroads. 12.55 no let up at the Mendicity Institute. Following a brief lull, sides are fighting like cornered animals. Hate-filled shouts accompany the repeated gunshots and grenade blasts. Casualties are mounting among the assailants. 1308, just after one o'clock in the day, Wednesday. The carnage continues in Bridge. Moments ago, units from the 2nd and the to the 7th Battalion Sherwood Foresters succeeded in outflanking the corner house and made their way via Percy Place along the canal. They are now under hellish fire from around them, particularly to their front and left. Men are hiding and huddling for cover along the canal's banks. They are terrified and helpless. 1320, hundreds of traumatised young infantrymen, their NCOs and officers, are seeking refuge behind the garden steps along the length of Northumberland Road. The Sherwood Foresters appear to be regrouping. It should be mentioned now that these soldiers were ordered to go face head on into this fire. They could have sheltered or they could have avoided, but the army, the order from uh, high command had ordered them to take the buildings directly at a huge cost. 1322 hours, the schoolhouse building on Northumberland Road appears to be the target 
for the Sherwood foresters. They appear to be preparing an attack on that position. Carnage that defies description on Northumberland Road has occurred. Dreadful casualties have been inflicted in a ghastly attack on the schoolhouse. Roughly 60 infantrymen attacked along the length of the road only to be mown down by fire from their left flank from two positions and from their front where Clan William House across the Mount Street Bridge is now hidden behind huge plumes of rifle smoke. The young infantrymen have ventured into the trap. They are cornered. Shots are ringing out constantly. Men are screaming in panic. The road is littered with wounded and dying men. Only a dozen or so made their objective the schoolhouse, but they are being fired on from across the street. This is slaughter. The firing from 25 Northumberland Road is still incessant. It still is unclear to the British as to the enemy's strength in the building. Meanwhile, at the Mendicity, a prisoner is shot dead. The Mendicity Institute has fallen to the Royal Dublin Fusiliers. Captain Sean Houston has just led his exhausted volunteers from D Company 1st Battalion and the Swords Volunteers outside through Island Street exit. But one of his men was shot dead shortly afterwards as a prisoner, which is a breach of the Geneva Convention. It is unclear what precisely has happened. We're now 14, 1700 hours, quarter past two. The Mendicity now is out of the way of the British Army. Increasing numbers of British Army riflemen are filtering along the southern quays and combined with snipers shooting from Merchant's Quay are laying down volley after volley on the forecourts. The 1st Battalion Irish Volunteers are replying in kind, shots ring out constantly, accompanied by the distinct booms of artillery from the east. 1419. Attempts to, uh, back in Northumberland Road, uh, the outflanking manoeuvre fails just moments ago. British troops attempted to unflank Mount Street Bridge and Northumberland Road by advancing along Shelburne Road to the east, only to be driven back by the volunteers along the railway line and from positions in and around uh, a nearby shop. One British platoon has been assigned to bolster Beggar's Bush Barracks. Unrelenting rifle fire is underway between British infantry and the rebels, who appear unwilling to concede any ground that would leave their comrades' eastern flank exposed. Reports are coming in of numerous civilian casualties as the fighting escalates. Back to Sackville Street and the GPO. Uh, it now resembles the Western Front in France. Sackville Street is under artillery fire from Delir Street. Kelly's fishing tackle shop on the Keys, Bachelor's Walk, is being pummeled with shrapnel shells and Vickers machine gun bullets. The British have set up a heavy machine gun position in the shop at the tip of Westmoreland Street Junction with Delir Street. Sackville Street is being saturated with bullets. It appears that Sackville Street is being softened up for a direct assault. 1445. Several British casualties in Portobello. Houses are being ransacked in the area seeking out snipers. It appears that the sniper fire is coming from Jacob's Biscuits, where, according to one source, snipers are aiming at uh, bayonets glinting in the sun and belt buckles, using the reflecting sunlight to help seek out enemy positions. 1458 Northumberland Road has been calm for the last few minutes. Cracks still ring out from various positions 
but compared to earlier, seems tranquil. The British seem to be regrouping again. Dispatches have been sent back and forth to their headquarters in Ballsbridge Town Hall near the RDS. 1510, the slaughter escalates on Northumberland Road. A report has just come in that is ghastly and grotesque from close to Clan William House. An eyewitness describes seeing a mask a mass of khaki to his south along the southern section of Northumberland Road. It was pulsing like a caterpillar. Along the road's gutters and pavements, it was as if a snake-like beast was inching forward as troops crawled towards the enemy position. The rebels fired like they were trying to slay the beast. It was almost impossible to miss. They fired, reloaded, fired non-stop. Their shots were accompanied with shouts of encouragement to each other. Clan William House is again hidden behind gun smoke. Then a whistle blew again and again and companies of troops jumped to their feet. As they did, a torrent of fire erupted from the corner house at 25 Northumberland Road, which cut many of them down. As the troops ran headlong, they passed the parochial hall, also occupied by volunteers. Again, they were mown down in a merciless barrage. But then it got much worse. Clan William House opened fire again killing and wounded more. The troops went to ground until a whistle blew and they jumped to their feet again to be cut down under the murderous hail. The Sherwood forest, foresters are being slaughtered. 1520, back at Lower Sackville Street, still under unrelenting fire from both artillery and machine gun, the sniper fire from the Southern Keys and Trinity College is lethal. Sparks are flying from the O'Connell Monument. It appears that sharpshooters may be using the moment to range their guns. The Hibernian Bank at Lower Abbey Street Junction is under vicious fire from the ballast office on Aston's Quay. 1526, skirmishes have broken out in Stevens Green between Citizen Army snipers and a platoon-sized outfit who are dispatched from the Shelburne Hotel to flush them out. The rebels have been confined to their trenches since dawn yesterday, but they determined to fight uh, and carry on. 1535, the firing from Clan William House appears ceaseless. Uh, this is back to Northumberland and, and Mount Street Bridge. To its rear on Mount Street, clusters of onlookers stare in awe at the carnage, apparently detached from the danger they are placing themselves in. They appear to be completely transfixed. 1545, petrified young British infantrymen are huddled for shelter behind the canal's coping stones. San William House is to their front and left. Robert's Yard, another rebel-held position, is, in, is to their front and left, roughly 250 yards away. And Boland's Mills is 450 yards away and not engaged. The latter position boats an unobstructed view along the length of this small roadway, and the rebels there are taking full advantage of their elevated position. The troops here are doomed if they stay put. They are equally doomed if they take to their feet. The entire area is littered with dead and wounded men. 1551 Marabone Lane Distillery is under sniper fire from Rialto. 1600 hours, the entire south bank of the river is infested with riflemen who are still piling fire upon the forecourts garrison, as well as nearby rebel barricade on Church Street. Perhaps an assault across the bridge is planned. 
to the north, the Linen Hall Barracks on Constitution Hill has been set on fire, and the air in the entire forecourt is thick with filthy smoke. 1700 hours, 5 o'clock, ceasefire on Northumberland Road. Incredible. Uh, the doctors and nurses from the nearby Sir Patrick Dunn's Hospital on Grand Canal Street have ventured into the kill zone that is Northumberland Road and begun tending to scores of horrifically wounded troops. A ceasefire has been called to allow them to bring relief and mercy to the stricken. As British reinforcement arrive in the area, the, rebel, the rebels are being spoken of with unbridled hatred. They are being accused of using dum-dum rounds. Such are the appalling injuries sustained by many of the victims. Shots have just rung out again from Mount Street Bridge. It appears that the British have been seeking to make manoeuvres forward under the ceasefire and have been detected. People are running again for cover. 1711. The British artillery and machine gun fire has died down for a while across O'Connell Bridge. Infantry patrol appears to be appearing preparing a probing attack across the bridge. They are now on the bridge, pressing forward a platoon in four sections. Shots are ringing out from Sackville Street. Bullets are whizzing back towards the bridge. Sparks are flying from cobblestones and tram lines. The fire is increasing. It is impossible to cross the bridge. Bullets are ricocheting wildly from its ornamental balustrades. 1718, the corner on Northumberland Road is under a sustained assault of rifle and pistol fire. Meanwhile, a machine gun has been hoisted up to a bell tower in the church on Haddington Road. Hand grenades are being used against the house at 25 Northumberland Road. How its occupants are still managing to hold out against the jods is simply staggering. Perhaps they cannot escape. Perhaps they fear that capture will mean certain death. In any event, their condition at this stage must be one of desperate exhaustion and terror. 1729, armoured car uh, in Sackville Street. An armoured car has been used in an attempt to advance on the GPO from its north. It has halted outside the Gresham. It is thought that its driver has been hit by one of the many rounds that struck its huge hull as its overstressed gears propelled it forward. Sparks are flying from the sheet metal skin. These inside must be suffering terribly ferocious supporting fire is being shot through the roof and windows of the Shelburne Hotel nearby but a rescue mission has been maybe possible after dark. The machine gun in St Mary's Church Haddington Road has barked to life. It is firing belt after belt of 303 rounds at Clan William House. Geysers of fine grey powder masonry are being sent flying as rebel rounds from numerous positions attempt to knock it out. Snipers in the church are trying to silence the threat to the gunners by scanning the horizon with puffs of smoke that betray the enemy positions. Word has come from Jacob's factory that an attack is expected. All of its barricades are manned and the 2nd Battalion headquarters is in a high state of alert. The writing appears to be on the wall for the stubborn rebellion rebel held position on 25 Northumberland Road. Its front door has just been blown in with explosives. Troops rush inside but were met with a deluge of fire which wounded several. The road of the building front is being raked with fire. Dan Williams house facade is being pulverised with machine gun fire. Plumes of gun smoke can be seen 
once again from its upper windows and at the sides of the house. Whistles of bullets can be heard constantly in the area. 1820, troops storming in the corner house 25 Northumberland Road has fallen to the military. Troops rush inside from both the front and rear of the building. It appears that only two enemy volunteers have been fending off an entire British battalion. One has been killed in a hail of fire while the other is missing and presumed dead. But in fact, he escaped, a man named Tom Grace. Troops inside uh, baying for revenge on the enemy, but many now appear to be even more terrified. If two men were prepared to hold a position for so long, many fear that a similarly determined enemy awaits them further into the city. They fear the remaining rebel positions are held by unyielding fanatics. Nothing could have been prepared these soldiers for this dreadful baptisms of fire, their first experience of action since recruitment. Desperation leads to almost suicidal bravery near Four Courts, as it was to prove the worst fears of the Sherwood foresters regarding the insurgents' determination. An act of almost suicidal bravery has been carried out by a pair of volunteers at Church Street Bridge. Both men rushed across the bridge under a deluge of fire and set fire to a building with petrol cans. They then scattered back across under equally ferocious fire while the buildings began to burn intensely. The mission appears to have been accomplished. Troops are retreating from the building along the southern quays away from the burning houses and away from where they appear to have been preparing an attack. Many have spoken regarding the motivation of the rebels, but one cannot argue that they're treme displaying tremendous bravery, as are their enemies. This fight appears to have only begun in Dublin. 1830 hours, battered Sherwood foresters gaining a further ground. The Sherwood foresters have just taken their second position on Northumberland Road. Four rebels have been captured at the rear of the parochial hall. For a time, the captors looked as if they were about to tear them to pieces. One officer attempted to shoot a surrendered volunteer in the head until his senior officer put a stop to it and insist the men be taken prisoner. 1832, Percy Place, Allsbridge, is full of British troops who are still crouched behind the low wall. They are still taking casualties. Several nearby houses have been stormed as the infantrymen desperately seek cover. 1825, the decimated remnants of the 2nd and 7th Battalion of the Sherwood Foresters, backed up by the 2nd and 8th Sherwood Foresters, are assaulting the schoolhouse from its front and rear. They are taking dreadful casualties from Clan William House to their left as they attack and from other positions to their front. 1843, to their amazement, the British fire found the schoolhouse unoccupied save for bullet-riddled bodies of its caretaker and his wife, presumably shot dead in the deluge of lead that was directed at the building minutes ago. They are now taking position behind the canal wall next to the building. The shelter is deceptive, however, as fire is being poured on the men from rebel positions to the attacker's right flank, Boland's Mills, as these men and its sights and the rebels there are firing frantically as our volunteers from the 3rd Battalion positioned around the railway line to the east. Once again, the fighting in the area is escalating exponentially with every coarse crack of shot. 1847, 
Liberty Hall has been blown to pieces and stormed by infantry only to find the building empty. It appears fortified, prompting a bayonet charge by the Ulster Composite Battalion sent from Belfast, positioned around Amiens Street. The sound of gunfire remains incessant. Back to Mount Street Bridge, 1855 hours is a scene of slaughter. At this stage, the killing in this area can only be described as obscene. Every yard gained by the British is measured in body. They are literally piling up on top of the other. Troops are now attempting to cross Mount Street Bridge, but are paying dearly. The doctors and nurses are standing by. They are not the only spectators, however. Scores of civilians remain in the streets on Lower Mount Street, drawn to the carnage like the cars to the flame. But like the story, one step too close and it will be all over for them. Death is stalking their South Dublin as the shadows lengthen. 1905, further fighting around four courts. The mission, the medical mission in Chancery Place has been shot up by rebels inside the four courts. They have just attempted an assault on the beleaguered building, which has been a refuge for the Lancers driven there on Monday. The assault has failed and one volunteer has been wounded. Meanwhile, at least two artillery shells have struck the east wing of the Four Courts building. Throughout the area, the noxious smoke from burning buildings is making life impossible for the civilians huddled together in their drafty tenements. Pantries are running dry and the overall situation is rat rapidly reaching desperation. 1920, Clanwilliam House under enormous pressure. Clanwilliam House has now been shot to pieces by machine gunners in Haddington Road. How the men are able to cope with this is beyond measure comprehension of their assailants who are still unsure of their number. Any amount on the bridge draws immediate fire from the position and from the builder's yards to its right as well as the railway line and the mills. The incandescent foresters seem hell-belt however on crossing this bridge regardless of the cost. Their troops however have performed with astonishing courage. Only moments ago their reserves were ordered forward from the shelter of St. Mary's Road. The faces of its men paled when they saw the dreadful wounds inflicted on hundreds of their countrymen. Yet they haven't flinched like their comrades. They will no doubt go where they are ordered or die at another side. The fighting prowess of the cluster of men holding these positions today is without parallel. When these infantrymen landed in Kingstown that morning, they expected to be met with a rabble. They are anything but. The British here... They may hate them, but they could do well to learn from them. 1935, there has been no let-up in Sackville Street. The walls echo constantly to shots, booms and ricochets as the third evening of the rebellion sets in. 1943 hours, the railway line and the nearby water towers are infested with rebel riflemen. Their sights are trained on Mount Street Bridge. The mills building is occupied by a large squad of men with similar intentions. At this point, the Sherwood foresters have decided that whatever it takes, they will take the bridge in the fortress, Clan William House, that overlooks it. The entire area has fallen moment, momentarily silent, but it is not expected to stay that way. 1955 hours progress being measured in bodies per yard gained. It seems that the final showdown is in play. The battered and decimated remnants of two Sherwood foresters battalions are gearing up to assault the Republican bastion of Clan William House. A whistle has just blown, men are charging. They are being cut down, the air is thick with cracks of rifle fire from 
behind the charging men to cover them, but it is useless. The house seems to be occupied by demons with no regard for their own lives. Vicious fire is cutting into the charging men from their front and to their right. Men are again falling in piles. The ground is so wet with blood that the charging men are slipping and falling. They rise again only to fall again, crumpling like sacks under the weight of lead that tears into their bodies. Volley after volley is ripping into the hapless infantryman. Their officers are being mown down. The attack has failed. They retreat. 2010, the vicar's machine gun is firing non-stop at Clan William House from Mary's Church. Incendiary bullets are smashing into the building on several floors. Surely the position cannot hold out for much longer. 2010, Mount Street Bridge in British hands. The British are across. One of their few unwounded officers has succeeded in reaching the outer walls. The noise is shattering. Bullets are whining through the air by the hundred. Men are still falling. Smoke is coming from the house's windows. Scores of sparks are flying from the granite bridge walls and wrought iron railings of the houses. Volley after volley is being sent at the troops from the railway line and water towers close to the Boland's Bakery. But the tide of khaki streaming across the bridge will not now be stopped. Grenades are being hurled at the windows from which the rebels have been driven. 2017, the killing continues. A British NCO is just being killed by his own hand, hand grenade. Having assailed the railings of Van William House, he hurled the bomb at the second floor only for it to bounce back and explode next to his head. Nevertheless, infantrymen appear to be gaining entry into the building. The fire is still incessant. Smoke now beginning to bellow from its windows. This has to end soon. 2025, troops screaming for revenge and streaming across Mount Street Bridge, Clan William House in flames. The house has fallen. It's now 8.30, 2032. The building ha that has for several hours helped to heap Unimaginable carnage upon two British infantry battalions is in flames. It is unclear as to whether or not anyone has escaped. A number of dead men are inside, but their precise number is unknown. The area is beginning to quieten. Only sporadic shots fly through the air as evening draws in. It appears that the insurgents on the railway line and a nearby Roberts Yard are aware of the position's capitulation. They may wish to conserve their ammunition as it now seems that an imminent attack may be coming their way. 21-25, Clan William House in Inferno, British taking stock, Clan William House, a 30-yard stretch of road between the canal and just beyond the junction with Hadding Road is like a scene from Dante's Inferno. As the main local residents dare to venture from them ho their homes, they are beyond shock at what has unfolded in their normally idyllic suburban streets. Their shock, however, pales in comparison to that of British Army now picking up the pieces from what has unfolded here today. As the wounded are treated and the dead are removed from the streets, the shattered men still standing seem to be wondering what other imag unimaginable horrors await them in this unfamiliar city. The continuous cracks of small arms in the distance suggest that similarly horrific scenes may await them. If all the rebels they have been summoned to kill or capture fight like this, what would become of them? Just who are the rebels? What makes them fight the way they do? We've got to hand 
At, we've got our hands on a photograph of the man who held the vanguard of C Company, 3rd Battalion Irish Volunteers, and died after defending a position against unimaginable odds for six hours. His name is Michael Malone, and he was 27 years old. He is currently being buried in the garden of the house he fought so hard to defend. Number 25 Northumberland Road. This man looks quite normal, respectable even. His is the face of a skilled carpenter, not a cold-blooded killer. And yet the carnage he has unleashed on the ranks of the raw recruits will not be forgotten for a long time. The defence of the position adopted by this man's comrades was tactically brilliant and their determination and tenacity unprecedented. If the British Army could boast of having men such as this filling its ranks, sure, then surely the trenches in France and Belgium would now be empty and the men at the front long since returned home. The area is far from secure now, and despite the joyous praise being heaped upon Colonel McConchy by the locals for saving them from the insurgents, these men will have to fight again, and very soon. Approximately 234 men from two battalions, numbering approximately 1,600 between them, have become casualties at the hands of a mere handful of rebels. 2203, as darkness descends on Sackville Street, snipers wait at the ready. 2205, as they do elsewhere in the city, Boland's is under constant 